Hey, everybody. Good morning. How you feeling? It's me, Justin. I, I'm the junior high pastor here. For if anybody I didn't meet you yet, I wasn't in here for new people. Did we have new people today? No. no there's no new people. There's one new person. A new person. Great. Hey, you know what? You know what? You're you're new to somebody here, so it counts. Okay, totally counts. Don't let anyone tell you it doesn't count. Uh, hey, do me a favor. If you could slip your phones in your pockets, I swear you're not going to need them today. Uh, and uh, grab a Bible and grab a pen and a note paper. They're all around the room. Um, we're starting a brand new series. I'm telling you, this is the series. If you listened to last month's series, uh, the Am I, uh, or the I Am series, and it was talking all about Jesus. I mean, it was all about Jesus, the statements he made. You know, this is how uh, he explained himself to all the disciples, explained himself really to us. You know, it's all recorded in the Bible so that we could understand who Jesus is a little better. This series is all about us and how we relate to Jesus and how we see and understand ourselves and our identity, who we are. You know, when I think of identity, I think, you know, when you look in the mirror, what do you see looking back at you? Not just your reflection. Like, what do you see? What makes up who you are? How do you view yourself? How do you think about yourself? That's what identity is. Now, we have a key verse for this series. Uh, it's going to be up here on the screen. I want you to know it. If you're going to learn any verse, uh, this is the perfect verse to learn for this whole month of March. Maybe commit this. We're going to throw up on Instagram the whole thing. Uh, Galatians 3.26, for in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. So because of our faith, we have faith in Jesus. Because of that faith, we are children of God. You know, those who don't have faith, well, they're not children of God. They're, they're not accepting the being a child of God because they don't have faith. They're not believing in Jesus. They're not looking at Jesus and saying, Jesus, we believe in you. We want to take steps in our relationship with you. Someone who doesn't have faith, they're not taking next steps in their relationship with Jesus. For those of us who are taking next steps in our relationship with Jesus, who have faith in Jesus, we are children of God. But I'll be honest with you. Sometimes that is a hard thing for me to wrap my brain around, a hard thing for me to understand, or really even sometimes really believe in. I want to share with you a story to kind of, kind of get us all like, set here. I'm going to put a photo up in a second, but I'm not going to put it up yet, so don't put it up yet. When I was a little baby, a lot of people don't know this, when I was a little baby, I was actually adopted. Okay, so me and my wife, we had our two kids, but for me, I was adopted. So maybe some of you in the room were adopted. Don't raise your hands. You don't have to point out that you're adopted. Uh, I was adopted. I have friends that were adopted. Maybe you have a sibling that was adopted, or you know someone who was adopted, and you're know, that whole adoption thing. You know, for me, adoption is a big part of my story. It's a big part of who I am. It's a part, big part of my identity. And I remember the story of my adoption. My mom and dad used to tell me the story all the time. I'm going to tell you a little bit about that story. Uh, my birth mother, uh, I was born in New York City. My birth mother, uh, she got pregnant. She just couldn't, you know, sub no, she just couldn't support a kid. She couldn't raise a kid. She didn't have the money or the funds or the ability to. So she decided, instead of taking a very drastic measure, she decided uh, to give me up for adoption, which was great. And she carried me for nine months and, and gave me up for adoption really right away. And they put me in an orphanage in New York City, um, where I lived for about five months. Uh, this here is a photo of me when I was a little bitty baby. 
This is little tiny baby Justin, I know. This is, believe it or not, uh, you know, if you follow me on Instagram or you follow my kids on Instagram, you'll see all these baby photos of them when they were like, some of these photos are like them, like hours, you know, some of them are even like minutes old, like taken like right in like the hospital room. This is the very first photo of me. This is the youngest photo of me that I have, and this is me at five months uh, because there, there, no one was taking photos of me. There, no one was collecting photos of me back then the way we do now. So this is the youngest photo of me that I have that exists. Now, my mother could not have kids. She just couldn't have kids. It just was a thing. And so they were looking to adopt, and they were waiting and waiting to get that phone call that there was a baby who was ready to be adopted. Uh, and finally, they got this call that there was this little kid in New York City who was ready to be adopted. He was five months old. He was cute, obviously, very cute. And over the phone, they were telling her, you know, telling my parents uh, a little bit about me and, uh, and, you know, how excited they would be if, they, if this little baby, me, could find a place in their home. And, uh, you know, they didn't have a name for me then, uh, so they called me. Uh, for five months, they called me at the orphanage. They called me Perry. That was my name for five months. Okay, so I don't know if anyone has ever been known by another name, but whenever anyone asked me, have you ever been known by another name? Well, for five months, people called me Perry. So in this orphanage, they called me Perry. And my mom and dad, they were like, we want this kid. They flew down to New York City to adopt me. And it was a big process, okay? The, the process of adoption is a really big process. A lot of paperwork. There's a lot of lawyers involved. Like, it is a big process to adopt another human being. And they finally got through all the paperwork and all the process, and the day came that they were going to pick me up. It was a huge deal. The day was here. They were going to pick me up. And they go to the adoption agency, like the place where they have me, and they knew I was in the building. Like, this wasn't just another meeting. Like, this was the day they were going to get me. Like, you know, it was, I was, gonna, it was a big deal. So they were waiting in the waiting room, and this lady, this lady has the coolest job in the world. Her job, this lady's job, is to greet the parents when they come to say hellos, you know, see if they need anything, and to kind of keep them happy until the baby they're about to adopt is ready, and then she goes back, gets the baby, and brings them out for the new parents. What an incredible job that is. It's an incredible job. So she looked at my mom and dad and said, you know, I'm going to go, and they've been kind of checking. She's like, all right, I'm going to go back and check again, see if he's ready. If he's not ready, I'm going to bring you guys a cup of coffee. If he's ready, then I'm going to bring him right out. So they were there in the waiting room. They were ready. They were excited. And she goes in the back, and she grab, you know, she, she's you know, you know, doing the whole thing, and she peeks around the corner to my parents, and she says, my mom loves telling the story. She says, guess what? You're not getting your coffee. And, they br- and she has me in her arms. She brings me out. She puts me in my parents' arms. And that moment, the moment of adoption, that's really like the moment, right? The moment that I go from being Perry to, thank goodness, they renamed me Justin. I go from Perry to Justin. I'm now a full-fledged Herman. I'm now part of the Herman family. That moment, I became adopted into their family. And listen, I'll be honest, and just like with a lot of families, there's ups and, there were ups and downs in my family. You know, there were arguments in my family. There were, there were hard times. There were hurtful times in my family. My parents got divorced, so like the parents that adopted me, like they ended up getting divorced. That's a part of my story. That happened. But through all of that, through the painful times and the hard times, through the adoption, through, you know, the, the, them getting divorced, through me going to school, and, and, you know, I went to college in Missouri, and then I moved here to California, started my own family in California. Through all those times, I was always a Herman because I was adopted into that family. You know, this is, what, this is what I think about sometimes. And, you know, when it comes to adoption, you know, I, for me, it was that big sense of belonging. You know, I could probably wrap up my whole adoption story by saying this. I found belonging in the Herman family. I belonged in that family. 
Now, here's the question I think about myself, and this is maybe just me, maybe it's not you. Like, and we all know the feeling of belonging. Sometimes I wonder and I ask myself, I ask myself this, do I have that same feeling of belonging when it comes to my faith as I do when it comes to my family? Do I have that same level of belonging when, you know, and I ask myself, you know, when it comes to my faith as a Christian, do I have that same level of belonging in my relationship with Jesus, in God's family, as I do in, like, the family in which I have that last name? You know, here's a question I'm going to put up here on the screen, and maybe you've asked yourself this. Have you ever wondered, have you ever had a time you wondered if you fit in? Have you ever had a time you wondered if you fit in? You know, have you ever had that moment where you sit and you look at and you ask, man, do I, do I belong where I'm at? Do I fit in with this friend group? Maybe I used to fit in, but I, do I still fit in? Are we, am I still, like, do I blend with this group of people? Do I fit in, like, in this team that I'm a part of? Do I fit in there? Do I fit in at the school I go to? You know, when I move schools, moving schools is the hardest thing. You know, you know the number one reason why moving schools is the hardest thing? This may seem really weird, but it's totally true, and you know this if you've moved schools. You don't know what people wear at the new school you're going to go to. So you go to a new school with your old wardrobe, and like that, even just that little thing of, like, do I fit in with the clothes I'm wearing? do I fit in? We all have that moment. I had that moment when I moved schools. You know, here's the thing that I find to be uh, completely true. This is completely true. The more you feel like you fit in and you belong, the, the healthier that you feel, the healthier you are. The healthier you are, as not just as a, a person, the healthier you are in your relationship with God. When you feel like you fit in and you belong. Now, here's this verse I'm going to throw up here on the screen. This is out of Galatians 3, chapter, or Galatians 3, verse 29. And now that you belong to Christ, you are the true children of Abraham, which you don't know what that means, but I'm going to explain it. You are his heirs, and God's promises to Abraham belong to you. So, you know, what's, what's an heir? I'm going to explain this real quick. An heir is, you're, if you're an heir, it means that you're going to have something passed down to you at some time. Maybe it's right now, maybe it's later. You know, remember the story in the New Testament, Jesus tells the story of the, the son, you know, who, you know, wanted all the father's stuff. He wanted to get his inheritance early, and he went, he, he spent everything, and then he came back to his dad, and his dad, instead of, you know, being angry at him or being mad at him, he just, you know, welcomed back into the family with open arms. Like, that's kind of, that's an heir. Like, he was an heir to the father's wealth. He was an heir to what the father had. Like if you're an heir to something, it means one day you're going to get this stuff. It's going to be yours. Uh, what are some, here's a question for you, and maybe you have some examples of this. Have you ever had something that was passed down to you? Something that was, you know, handed down to you? Uh, something that was handed down. Does anyone have any examples of anything that was handed down to them? What's an example? Oh, necklace. Grandmother's necklace handed down to you. That's a great example. What's one? Clothes, anyone ever have clothes handed down to them? It's like it belonged to someone else, now it belongs to you. All right, what else? Anyone else have something? What was something that's handed down? Give me another example. What? The the, so the sweater you're wearing right now is handed down to you. That's great. Thank you for sharing. That's perfect. Anyone else, an example of something that's handed down? What do you got? Your dad's watch. Belong to your dad, handed down, now it belongs to you. So you guys get the idea of being an heir to something. Something that is handed down from person to person. Maybe it's a family heirloom. But here's the thing. God says that there's something else that's being handed down. It's not just stuff. It's actually promises. Now when you think of a promise... Usually we don't think promises are handed down. Like if someone makes you a promise, usually we think, well, it's that person's job to fulfill that promise to me. 
and you know, if, if something happens to me, then I guess they don't have to fulfill that promise anymore. Like, we think of promises like someone makes a promise, and they owe that promise to whoever they made it to, and the promises aren't really passed down. But the, God looks at things differently than the way we look at things. This is what God says. At the very beginning, there was this guy named Abraham, and with Abraham, he said something incredible. He promised Abraham that he was going to birth a whole nation of people through him that he was going to be the father of many people, and that he was going to birth a whole nation. Now, that promise that was made to Abraham still applies today to us. That that promise that was made was actually a promise that was passed down like generation after generation, that we are living the benefactors, and we're the ones who benefit from that promise. You know, here's another thing when it comes to promises. God makes promises a ton, and he makes promises that he keeps. So I want to give you a couple examples of promises that he makes. Here's the first example. This is out of Jeremiah 29, 11. Positive plans for us. So the, I want to give you a little bit of context of the scripture. There was this group of people. They were in exile, which is really, really tough. God, you know, through Jeremiah is speaking to this group of people. And he tells them, this is, amongst other things, this verse specifically. For I know the plans I have for you, talking to a bunch of people in exile, which is very bad. Says the Lord, they are plans for good and not for disaster to give you a future and a hope. Now, keep in mind, you probably don't know this, but it was actually 400 years later after Jeremiah said this that that promise was fulfilled. And what does that teach us? Well, it means that when God makes promises, there, there isn't a time like stamp to these promises. When he makes a promise, he plans on keeping it. Now, it may not be as fast as you want him to, it may not be like the time that we would like and as quickly as we would like, but God makes promises and he keeps them. Here's another promise that God makes. Uh, it's going to be in Matthew chapter 11. I will be there to carry the load when things get heavy. Come to me, all you are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and, lear and lean, uh, learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. So when things get really, really tough, when things become very, very difficult, when things feel like you just can't carry on because stuff with school is just so difficult and stuff with family is weighing on you, when you feel like you are just tapped out and you have no more strength to carry on, God actually makes a promise that when things get tough, he will be there to help you. Now, if you welcome him in to help you and support you and be there for you and help carry the load, that's, you know, that's up to you. I hope that you do. And for those who don't, you know what it's like when it's up to you to carry it all yourself. This is a promise that God makes. Here's another promise he makes. It's going to be right out of here in Romans chapter 10, which is one of my favorite ones. Oh, to save us even though we sin. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. This is a significant promise. This is the promise that even though we're sinners and we make mistakes, God loves us. And he's not going to turn his back on us. That if we say we believe, and you know, and if you've been to camp or even here on the weekends sometimes, we do the I believe, will you stand up and you proclaim your faith? I believe. Like, when you do that, that God is actually going to honor that. He's going to forgive you. Like you are going to be welcomed into his family and not turned away and not, you know, all your mistakes laid out for you. That's not how God works. He works in the way that you will be saved. It's a promise that he makes. Here's the last one that I grabbed. This is a really, this is a really good one. I asked all the staff, could you give me examples of promises, promises that God makes? And one of our staff members, doesn't matter who, I won't say who, Use, gave this as a promise, okay? And this is a true promise. This is in the Bible. He will never flood the earth again. I establish my covenant with you. Never again will all the life be destroyed by the waters of the flood. Never again will there be a flood to destroy the earth, which is a really good promise. Noah and the ark, right? Here's a great picture of Noah and the ark. You might see this and remember this. this is a very sweet photo, okay? 
All right, very sweet photo. This is a more realistic photo of that time. Uh, this next one here, you're going to see the people who are clinging to rocks, trying to survive as the floodwaters came in and they all drowned. Very sad. They don't really, they don't put this in the, in the children's books when it talks about Noah and the Ark, but I feel like they told, I should write a children's book for like Bible stories in, in a children's book and include photos like this. I think it would totally change people's lives forever when they see this, this guy just, ah, help, and he drowns. Uh, here's the thing. God's promises are a real promise, and the promise of inclusion into God's family is a promise that we can count on. Now, this guy named Paul talks about it in the book of Romans, and I want you to open up your Bibles to Romans chapter 8 for me real quick, and we're going to take a look at it. Uh, Romans is in the New Testament, all right? If you are new to flipping through the Bible, don't worry about it. You can use your table of contents. I use mine. Literally, I use mine all the time, so do not be embarrassed by that. I use mine all the time. So if you flip over to the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, and then Romans, am I nailing this? Yeah, I nailed it. Acts, Romans, yeah, 1st and 2nd Corinthians. I had to take a test when I was in Bible college. I had to put every book of the Bible in order. It was a very difficult test. I studied for it. Uh, a guy named Paul wrote it, and he, this, is a, this, is, I mean, this is an incredible thing. He wrote this when he was in prison. Could you imagine being in prison, like writing like a letter? Like, this is insane. And he wrote this whole thing. And the whole book of Romans has the, these incredible foundational pieces of how we as Christians not only look at the world, but we look at ourselves. And this is what it says you, as you keep flipping to it. It starts with verse 14. This is what it says. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. So we talked about that. That's us. So we have not, so you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you received God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children. Now we call him Abba Father. All right, this is what I love. This is what I love. No, no, go back. Go back. Go back, Money Train. This is what I love, okay? You have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. I don't know about you. There's times where I absolutely have the spirit of a fearful slave. Like when I even, th even when I look in the context of the Bible and how it talks about slaves and slavery in the Bible, like I know what it feels like to be and have this fearful spirit that if you do one thing wrong, you're going to get punished for it. That's, how I think, a little bit of the context of slavery in the Bible. If you make a mistake, you're going to pay the price for it. You know, you better not speak up. You better not have too many of your own ideas. Like, you know, your place is at the bottom and that's where you belong. Like a slave would never sit at the master's table and have a dinner with him. Like you'd never go into the main house, the owner's house, and just act like you're part of the family. And I absolutely have that spirit sometimes even when I think of my relationship with God. When you think of your relationship with God, I don't know what you think, but I don't normally, and this is when I was younger, I hopefully have, you know, matured and taken next steps in my relationship with Jesus that I look at things differently. But when I was younger, I absolutely didn't think of my relationship with God as one that I could just go to God and talk to him and it would be a conversation. Like I didn't always have a time when I was in junior high that I thought of my relationship with God as a family relationship. Like, I remember, like, even as a kid, like, feeling like, I, what gives me the right, or how do I, or even should I, or is it too bold to ask for? You know what it's not hard to ask for? It's hard not to ask, like, it's not hard to ask parents for stuff. Like, I remember that when I was a kid. I had no problem, I grew up poor, okay? I had no problem asking my mom, like, and we were poor, we were mega poor, not kind of poor, we were mega poor. Even though we were poor, I had no problem asking my mom for money for camp and for new Nikes, and back then, it was like, it wasn't the, what do they, what just came out, the PS3, 
PS4, okay, wow, we're on to number four. I still have the two, okay, that's how old school I am. All right, so uh, the, I had back then, it was the Sega Genesis. It was so tight. You guys don't know what that is, but it was so, yeah, like, no, no, it wasn't Game Boy. It was the Sega, and it was a handheld Sega thing. Literally, it was, I should get a picture of it. It was like this big. It was huge, and you'd play on it. It was, it was like one of the first color screen travel games. It was so good. Uh, I have no problem asking my mom for those things. I have no problem asking my mom for stuff that I want. But yet when it comes to our relationship with Jesus and it comes to our faith, we're very scared and very timid to ask God for the things we want. And I'm not talking like vending machine God. You know, just ask for something you want and, and, you know, and just wait to get it. I'm talking about like it's hard for us to share like our like concerns with God. It's hard for us to share what we're struggling with with God. Like you know, we, you know, I talked to a junior high recently and, and I'm like, well, have you prayed about this? Have you shared this with God, you know, what you're struggling with? And he's like, oh, I, I feel like God's too busy to hear about my problems. You know, that's the spirit of a slave, a fearful slave who doesn't think God has the time to listen to their problems. This is what it says. Instead, you received God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children. Now we call him Abba Father. You know what I love? When we're adopted, when adoption happens, and if, you, you, you know, if you're not adopted, you don't know this, but through my adoption story, hopefully you get a little bit of this. When you're adopted, things change when you're adopted. You're, for me, my name changed when I was adopted. Where I lived changed when I was adopted. You know, how my life would turn out. Like, if I stayed in an orphanage in New York City my whole life, like, I wouldn't be standing here with you right now. I just wouldn't be. Like, my life would have gone a completely different route than it went. So the way my life went was different because I was adopted. Things change when you're adopted. Things in our lives change. When we're adopted into God's family... When we take on that identity of being a child of God, adopted into that, things about us will also change. They should change too. Here, I want you to write this down. It's going to be up here on the screen. When adoption takes place, change happens. When you are adopted into God's loving family, some change happens to you too. You know, I remember when I started following Jesus, and I, and so, and I didn't know it at the time. Like it, it was not explained to me this way when I first became a follower of Jesus. When I said, I believe for the first time, it wasn't explained to me this idea of adoption. Like, you're getting the benefit of the things that I missed out on. Because when you're adopted into a family, like I would have understood that because I was actually adopted. I would have understood that. But see, when you're adopted into God's family, and we are, things about us change. Maybe it's not our name, although people in the Bible, their name did change. Maybe it's not our name. Maybe it's not where we live. Maybe it's the things about our character that changes. Maybe it's things about our integrity that changes. Maybe it's about how we view other people or we spend our time. Maybe those are the things that change. Maybe before it was all about me, 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 and, and now the change that's taken place because you have embraced the idea of being an adopted child of God, maybe you're looking at the needs of others differently. Maybe before, if you had a weekend free, it's like you playing video games or buying stuff, and now if you have a weekend free, you're thinking about how you can serve other people, and you're talking to Dave about, are there any serve opportunities I can do, maybe with my life group, and you take other people along. See, things change in us when we embrace the idea that we are adopted children of God. And now, here's the thing, your, uh, how you view yourself, you know, that impacts how you view God. You know, if you, and so this is like you right now. So when I say, oh man, we are adopted children of God, and you're like, well, I don't feel like an adopted child of God. I feel like, and you start naming off the things that you would kind of claim as identity pieces for yourself. Because I don't view myself as a child of God. I view myself as, as someone who lies too much. You know, and if I lie too much, maybe God lies too, and this whole thing isn't real. 
you know, I view myself as someone who isn't worthy to be loved. So, you know, why would God want to love me? Because how we view ourselves impacts how we view God. You know, if you view yourself as unworthy, why would God want to be around someone unworthy? If you view yourself as someone who's just a mess up, you know, why would God want to be around people who are mess ups? You know, if you view yourself as just this sad person, and you, all, and you just tune into your sadness. And every day for you is just a sad, difficult day. And you feel like you have no joy in your life. And you look at God and be like, what? you know, God, why would he want that, a person like me around? Because how you view yourself impacts the view you have of God. But here's the truth, and I want you to know this. And this is like the truest thing ever. Perspective changes. And with a perspective change comes an identity change. This is what it says in the next verse, in verse 16 in Romans. For the Spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are children of God. And since we are children of God, we are his heirs. And we talked about heirs a second ago. In fact, together with Christ, we are heirs of God's glory. But if we are to share in his glory, we must also share in his suffering. See, when we're adopted into God's family, and we are, if you're a believer of Jesus, if you're a follower of Jesus, if you have your faith in Jesus, you have been adopted into God's family. You may not know it, you may not have embraced that, but that is a truth. And if that is you and you have embraced or are at least trying to embrace that idea of what it means to live as a family member of God, to live as a child of God, you start to think of all the things that maybe take a bigger priority in your life when it comes to your identity that maybe don't matter as much anymore. You know, when you, when you walk out the door and you believe you're a child of God, the clothes you're wearing, that maybe doesn't matter as much anymore. And if you're getting a hard time for it, well, people get hard times for stuff. Like, it, it happens. Like, I, I believe that. It happened to me when I was a kid. But when you view yourself as a child of God, you can look at things differently because you are different. You know, when you walk out the door and, you know, you don't have the same stuff other people have, like they have all this great tech and all these great phones and, and you're still rocking the old phone and you feel like you're just a loser because of it. You're not a loser because of it because those things don't define who you are. If you let those things define who you are, you're robbing God the opportunity to treat you and talk to you and love you as an adopted child. That's what happens. We miss out on these big opportunities because here's the truth. You are a child of God. I want you to write it down. It's going to be right there in your notes. You are a child of God. When you're walking and you get up in the morning and you're, you're already starting and the day doesn't feel great and you feel like, oh my gosh, I'm going to school. I got to deal with that today and test today and that person today. You're a child of God. When you go to school and, you know, the, the day starts to unfold, however it unfolds, and things happen that maybe you don't feel like a child of God when it's happening, you can sit there and you can say to yourself, I am a child of God. You know, these things are hard. You know, there are hard things in life. But you are a child of God. Here's the big bottom line for today, the big idea. I want you to write this down. I am, this is very simple, I am an adopted child of God. I want you walking out saying that today. When you have a, uh, to start your day tomorrow, I want you to be able to wake up saying, you know what, things in my life may be chaotic, they may be crazy, you know, the, things may be unpredictable, but I am an adopted child of God. That I'm not an accident, I'm not a mistake, I'm not a leftover, I'm not unnoticed. These are all things we kind of say about ourselves. God notices you. You matter to him. He cares about you. He loves you. You are an adopted child of God. 
you know, we, we have these cards that are in the, the, the wheelie things. I've got to pick a name for that. And, and I want you to grab one because I want you to grab it because we're going to write something down. I'm going to throw it up here on the screen. Am I, question mark, I am blank, and it's proclaiming a truth. And I want to explain this card before you start filling it out. We're going to have one of these cards for every single week of this series. Because here's the thing that I believe happens. I believe this happens to every single one of us. Something happens, somebody says something, some difficulty, some stress in our life, something happens. And we question if these things are true. We start to think, well, you know, am I really a child of God? Am I loved? Like, Am I really, you know, made the way God wants me? Am I really on purpose or am I just a mistake? Like, am I all these things that I keep being taught in junior high that I am? Is this stuff true? Am I these things? And here's the thing that I love. Everybody kind of knows the thing that connects with them the most individually. Like, if I gave you something, like, it might connect with some of you, but it'd be a miss on others. This is a chance for you to be able to write down that thing that connects with you personally the most. Because in that moment, and that moment's going to happen, am I really this? Am I a child of God? Am I really loved? Am I, am, and you ask yourself, and here's the thing, you're going to have those moments. I, as an adult, still have those moments. I remember in junior high when I started having those moments, and when you do, I want there to be something on your mirror, or in your binder, or in your locker at school, or you take a picture of it, and you keep it on your phone, something you can look at and say, when, when you have these questions of am I, the thing that says, I am and then I want you to proclaim a truth that you know is true about you. You know, the, the truth of, you know, who I am a beautiful child of God. I am loved. I am someone who matters. You know, the thing that connects with you the most, like, you know, like, in that hard moment, if you got a text from me or from your leader who loves you, and it was like that text of encouragement, like, you know, telling you a truth of who you are, like, you know exactly what you would want it to say to connect with you the most, that's what I want you to write down. I want you to write down that thing that if you got it in a text, it would change your entire mood. That's what I want you to write down. And I want you to put it somewhere. I want you to keep it. We're going to do this every single week as a way for you to kind of remember and to be able to apply a little bit of this during your week. So when you leave today, and we're going to leave in a minute, and your parent says, well, what did you learn today? And I want you to look at them and be like, you know what I learned today? I learned that I'm adopted. And they're going to look at you like, what did you just say? You'd be like, yeah, I'm totally adopted. I'm an adopted child of God. Boom. And then you're going to look at your parents, and what are you going to say to your parents? What did you learn today? And then they, you're going to make them tell you all the things that they learned. And you can show them this card if you want to, or you can keep it to yourself. That's totally up to you. But I want you to take it. Put it in your pocket, take it home, put it somewhere you're going to see it. Hey, let me pray for you, and then we're going to go. Uh, and I want to say one last thing before we leave. Uh, we started on Wednesday the journey toward Easter, and it's a time that we call Lent. Now, every morning at 7 a.m., we put a different thing on Instagram to help kind of prompt us and help us think about Lent and the journey toward Easter. We have cards in the back that we're going to be handing out to you. If you got one uh, at the worship night, don't take another one. But if you're looking for something to do just for 40 days, it's not even that much, something you can do every day to help you take next steps in your relationship with Jesus, this is a perfect one. Grab a thing for brave. If you're a girl, you should go to this. Grab a thing for the best, even better than the best, epic lock-in overnighter ever. It's going to be awesome. Uh, let me pray for you, and then we're going to go. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for our students. You love them. They are children in God's family. 
You have adopted them into your family. They can know and believe that they belong because of this. Uh, It changes things about us, and that's a good thing. Uh, Lord, give us a great week. Bless our friends. You know, give us the comfort to be able to share the things we need to share with you, God. Bless our families. Bless our teachers. And just let us have just a killer week, and we'll see everyone back here next weekend. We pray this in your name. Amen. All right, guys, head out the door. Grab a paper, brave, Lent. The, oh, the big overnighter, it's going to be ridiculous. You're going to love it. I'll see you guys later. Have a good one. Take a dump today. Take a dump today.